Welcome to Religion for Life, a program at the intersection of religion, social justice, and public life. I'm John Schuck, minister at First Presbyterian Church of Elizabethton, Tennessee. Every year on the Sunday closest to the anniversary of the birth of Charles Darwin, February 12th, my congregation and hundreds of others celebrate Evolution Sunday. I should explain why. Throughout most of Christian history, our ancestors looked to the Bible for answers to the questions of life, all of life, including natural history, human history, and the end of time. One famous scholar, Bishop James Usher in the 1600s, calculated the date of creation itself. It was a Sunday, October 23rd, 4004 BC, at nine in the morning. Since then, we've looked to other sources than the Bible for questions regarding cosmology, natural history, and the development of life, including human life. Through science, we have discovered that the universe is nearly 14 billion years old, Earth is between 4 and 5 billion years old, and life on Earth, all of life, including human life, has evolved through a process called natural selection. Among scientists, the theory of evolution is not in dispute. So what's the problem? Old ways die hard. Some religious people still follow the Bible at face value. They may think they cannot believe both the Bible and evolution, so they try to treat the Bible as a science book and come up with awkward notions like creationism. Now, on one level, people can believe what they want, but public life is another matter. What about scientific literacy, religious literacy, and the education of our children? That is today's topic. My guest is Dr. Michael Zimmerman, who is the founder and the director of the Clergy Letter Project and Evolution Weekend. He's currently the Vice President for Academic Affairs at Evergreen State College in Olympia, Washington. He previously held academic and administrative positions at Butler University, the University of Wisconsin Oshkosh, and Oberlin College. He has a Ph.D. in ecology, and he is the author of Science, Non-Science, and Nonsense, Approaching Environmental Literacy. And you will see his writings often in op-ed pages and at the Huffington Post regarding science, religion, and education. And he is on the phone with us today on Religion for Life. Dr. Zimmerman, welcome. And Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here with you, John. And happy Darwin Day. <laughs> it is a, a wonderful day, isn't it? <laughs> yes. We just like to have Darwin Day, the whole spirit of that, the year round. That would be a, a good change for both science and religion in this country. Let's start with the Clergy Letter Project. You are the founder of that and the creator and the director of that. Uh, what is it, why is it, and how is it going? Uh, let me ask, answer the last question first. It's going wonderfully. We have support all around the country from um, thousands upon thousands of religious leaders and scientists. Uh, the religious leaders cross numerous denominations, um, lots of religions. Uh, we started about seven years ago because there was an ongoing attack on science education in this country, uh, mostly coming from uh, fundamentalist religious leaders who believed that um, teaching the best science had to offer, and in biology, that is evolutionary biology, was an attack on their religion. Uh, people were saying, and this goes back since the time of Darwin, uh, but uh, they were saying that you have to choose between science and religion. And from work I'd done years and years ago, I, kn I knew that just was untrue. And there were lots of religious leaders who could speak out in favor of their religion, their deeply held religious beliefs, but they could also speak out in favor of modern science. So we, we called together um, groups of, uh, of clergy members to, and ask, asked uh, Christian clergy first to sign a letter that talked about the importance of their faith uh, to them and how it does not conflict with 
uh, what modern biology teaches us. Um, after a little bit of time, we expanded outward. We, have, we now have three clergy letters, one for Unitarian Universalists, one for rabbis, and actually we have a fourth for imams, but that's a, a relatively small group so far. And then we started an event called Evolution Weekend, in which we asked uh, participants to do something in their congregation uh, or with their congregation on the weekend closest to Darwin's birth, um, February, uh, February 12th. Um, and hundreds began to do something, and we've had people from 20 different countries and every state um, participate. And it's just a way to, to elevate the dialogue about important science and religion issues. It's to demonstrate that people do not, in fact, have to choose between the two, and it provides a great source of, of support for those clergy members who, before we started, thought that they were alone. They thought they were the only ones who were comfortable in both the scientific and the religious realm. And I can't tell you how many clergy members have come to me and said, wow, I didn't realize there were hundreds and thousands of others who felt like I do. It really is reaffirming to my beliefs and helps me move forward um, giving this good message to people. And I believe there are about 13,000 now, is that, our clergy who have signed the, the letter? Yeah, as of this morning, uh, the Christian clergy letter has 12,780. Our rabbi letter has 482 signatures. And our UU, Unitarian Universalist clergy letter, has 244. We're being somewhat parochial. We don't, didn't mean to be parochial, but with a small staff, me, um, we focus just on the United States. So all of those, and that's what is that? That's over, um, that's almost 14,000 total clergy on three letters. Um, are just from the United States, and we've had clergy from all over the country want, want to sign on, um, but for political reasons and, and just logistics, I've kept it to clergy in the United States. When we moved to Evolution Weekend, uh, people from all over the, all over the world um, have been participating. And you said that uh, a new letter is being uh, formed for imams. Exactly, because um, there's a there's a, a similar belief among some who misunderstand what Islam is about um, and some who, who profess and promote radical um, or fundamentalist Islam. And um, there are lots and lots of people who are deep, who are imams, who um, understand um, Islam very well, who are perfectly comfortable with, with evolution as well. So what we're trying to do is just uh, make it clear to anybody who's willing to listen and to think that you just don't have to choose between religion, deeply held religious belief, and science. And that is the essence of the letter that was signed by uh, the Christian clergy? Yeah, it is. Let me, um, let me read you two, two or three sentences. The end, it's only a two-paragraph letter. I'm not going to read the whole thing. But the last two sentences of the first paragraph say, Religious truth is of a different order from scientific truth. Its purpose is not to convey scientific information, but to transform hearts. And then the last couple of sentences from the second paragraph, um, say those, paragraph that, those sentences say, to argue that God's loving plan of salvation for humanity precludes the full employment of the God-given faculty of reason is an attempt to limit God and active hubris. We urge school board members to preserve the integrity of the science curriculum by affirming the teaching of the theory of evolution as a core component of human knowledge. We ask that science remain science and that religion remain religion, two very different but complementary forms of truth. 
And, you know, the rest of the letter just fleshes out those, those major points. And as I said, that's the Christian clergy letter and over 12,700 um, Christian clergy across the United States um, have signed. What, what's been amazing to me is there are, there are um, when you look at who those clergy are, some of them have just been ordained literally weeks ago. Some of them were ordained 60 years ago. Some of them are from the largest uh, congregations, the largest cathedrals in our country, and some of them are from incredibly small rural parishes. Some of them are outrageously liberal. I mean, the, the conversations I've had with them have been just uh, exciting. And some of them are remarkably conservative. Um, they, they share virtually nothing in common except a deep belief in Christianity, of, you know, the, the importance of that message and a belief in science. Um, it, it crosses generations. It crosses location. Um, it crosses gender. It crosses race. It just means you can accept both of these things comfortably. My guest is Dr. Michael Zimmerman, the founder and director of the Clergy Letter Project and Evolution Weekend. This is Religion for Life. I'm John Shuck. Now, those who favor teaching creationism in school claim that uh, evolutionists, uh, Darwinian evolutionists, are close-minded. Uh, for example, uh, so former President George Bush said that schools should teach both creationism and evolution. They use the phrase, teach the controversy. Is there a controversy? There's a political controversy by people who want to promote a single religious view. There is absolutely no scientific controversy about the importance of evolutionary theory. Now, what, what's really fascinating about any science is science proceeds by disproof. Science does not proceed by proof. So if somebody tells you, we know beyond a doubt everything there is to know about evolution, they're mistaken. We don't know everything there is to know about evolution. And if you go to the scientific literature, you'll see thousands of papers published in the peer-reviewed scientific literature every year questioning, extending, and advancing our understanding of evolutionary theory. But understanding the cutting edge of a scientific discipline is different from saying there's a controversy. Extending the cutting edge of a scientific discipline um, is not what needs to be taught in 6th and 7th and 8th grade schools. Um, what, what needs to be taught is the best we know in simplified terms so students can understand the core of what science is all about. Um, what can I say? George Bush, either George Bush, uh, but the, la the latter, is not a scientific expert. He's not a religious expert either. And when the, the concept of teach the controversy came about when the predecessors of, of that movement were demanding that um, creationism be taught alongside of evolution, and the Supreme Court ruled that and federal district courts ruled that unconstitutional. That came into being when prede the predecessors of the creation science movement were demanding that evolution not be taught in our schools and only religious views be taught. When that was ruled unconstitutional by the Supreme Court, um, the, their strategies keep changing and evolving. So we've gone from censoring evolution to demanding that creation science be taught alongside of it, to demanding that intelligent design be taught, to demanding that just the controversy be taught and students ought to make up their own minds. We don't do that about any other topic. 
um, in our school system, we teach what the experts believe is accurate. And within the scientific community, there is no doubt that evolution is the best explanation that we have. Well, what is... uh the difference between creation, or what is creationism, and what is the difference between creationism and intelligent design? Um, At one level, there is no difference in that intelligent design is a form of creationism. It's a form of creationism that's dressed up to make it look like it is something different. But the basics of intelligent design state that there is some intelligent designer, a creator, that made portions of the the universe as a whole and portions of it and perhaps portions of our body in the form that we see them now because they are so complex the only way to for them to have been created was to be created as we see them today they could not have come into being more slowly through an evolutionary process the problem with that is twofold first there is absolutely no evidence for that and there's good evidence against it and that is Many of the specifics that are used as the best examples those promoting intelligent design have offered um, have been studied by biologists who have now said, well, look, here's, here's the evolutionary sequence that we can see of how this came from more simple to more complex. The second thing that's much more important is there can't be any evidence for that particular idea because in science, as I said, science proceeds by disproof. To get to the point of disproof, you have to be able to craft testable, falsifiable hypotheses. And by that, I mean you have to make a statement for which you can um, imagine collecting some data that would disprove your idea. Intelligent, intelligent design makes absolutely no testable proofs testable hypotheses, rather. It makes no testable statements that you could go out and gather data and say, yeah, wow, this is wrong. Evolutionary theory makes hundreds of testable uh, statements. It just turns out that none of them have been falsified. It doesn't mean it's true. It means it's the best uh, science has to offer right now. Now, creationism goes well beyond intelligent design. There are lots of different forms of creationism. Um, Some, the most extreme version that uh, people like Ken Ham, who is the, uh, and down in your area, the head of the um, Creation Museum in Kentucky, Um, you know, he believes the Earth was created 6,000 years ago. All species were created within five days. Animals, uh, I'm sorry, um, dinosaurs and humans coexisted. That kind of thing is what he once taught in public schools. But intelligent design is just on the continuum of creationism. It's just um, a little bit further out uh, towards the mainstream than than the complete extreme. But it is on the the spectrum of creationism and is nowhere near the scientific worldview. My guest is Dr. Michael Zimmerman, founder and director of the Clergy Letter Project and Evolution Weekend. He writes often for the Huffington Post regarding issues of education and science and religion. And I want to talk about Ken Ham in just a second, but I want to ask one more thing about intelligent design. Uh, it, it's a rather a tricky phrase, it seems, because I, I know people, for example, in my own congregation who will affirm science, they will affirm uh, what we learn from physics, they will learn, affirm natural selection, but they might say, but you know, that's how um, maybe that, that whole process maybe how God designed it, or something like that. Or all, the, but they will be totally respectful and completely of science. 
And so the intelligent design phrase seems to be, well, that's, I think that's what I would be. But, and, and as you have just explained it, it's more, uh, far more narrow than that. Yeah, it's amazing. People who um, are really good at public, public relations have chosen really wonderful terms. We see it in political debates all the time. And people with, with the best public relations minds and uh, money end up choosing phrases that people who are more ignorant and just aren't as well-versed in the topic as others gravitate towards. Intelligent design was really an intelligently created um, phrase because it's, it sounds so good. Science, I believe, and I think most scientists would agree with me, science cannot prove or disprove the existence of God. Uh, the existence of a deity is outside the realm of science. Science is one of those disciplines that, you know, one of the reasons I love science as a scientist is it self-defines, it self-limits what um, is available to study. Um, so is there a God? That's, that's a personal decision. Um, did God create the universe using the Big Bang as a mechanism, and did he set in motion everything that leads to what we see now in, through the evolutionary process? Sure, could well be. There are plenty who believe it isn't. There are even more who believe that is what happened. That's an interesting question. It's an important question, but it is not a scientific question. If you believe that, um, that God did that, all the power to you, but you are not professing a belief in intelligent design as the intelligent design proponents want it to be taught in public schools. And that's part of the issue, is it's, it's that language that continues to be fuzzy um, or, uh, or manipulative, manipulative in some way. Yeah, ways. I think that's a great word, John, and it's purposefully manipulative, I believe. Last year, um, about 100 congregations in this area in Johnson City hosted an Origins Conference, and one of the guests was Ken Ham of the uh, Creation Museum fame and Answers in Genesis and he, he pretended, he said he had reached 10,000 people or something. Uh, we had about 100 come to our Evolution Sunday service, so the, the numbers were quite disparate. But anyway, I saw a video of him that he put on, uh, and, and he's speaking to children, and it's kind of a response back and forth. And, and he asked them, did any animals die before Adam and Eve sinned? And all the children respond at once, no. It was kind of eerie, but um, it's obvious that Ham's concern is theological and a very particular view of theology at that, uh, one that many of us who are religious do not share at all. Um, but I wonder, what's at stake for those who embrace creationism? Um, wh what do they fear science is taking away? You know, that's, that's a great question, and I'm not, I, can, I can give you my impression, but since I am not a theologian, unlike you, um, I'm not the best person to answer that. But what they do believe is, or at least the way... Uh, Ham explains it, and, and others before him have, have done uh, equally good jobs, I think, of making this argument, that if you believe in the literal word of um, the Bible, you have to believe every single word in there. If you don't believe the Genesis story um, of creation, and the problem is there are two of them, but let's leave that aside for a moment. If you don't believe literally in the Genesis view of creation, um, there's, there's nothing left in the Bible you can believe. If you don't believe that um, Jesus came back and died for your sins, um, what good is anything? So once you start down 
a scientific view of of the cre- the uh, creation of the world, evolution of species. You've given up that world view, and you have no religion left. Um, it's it's just a uh, you know it's a a very narrow theological perspective, which leads me to to what's so important about this issue. And there are three things. One is from a religious perspective, what Ham and his followers constantly say in response to the almost 14,000 Christian clergy members who have signed the clergy letter is, they're not true Christians. Mm -hmm. The only true Christians are Christians who believe what I, Ken Ham, believe. What, the reason this, this work is so important, this controversy is so important, is there's a very small but very vocal group who's trying to define religion in their own image in this country and around the world. If we allow that to happen, we will not have the pluralistic society um, we deserve and we want. Secondly, if we allow that to happen, we will have even more science illiteracy. We will teach virtually none of the basics of science in our public school classes. Um, That's really critical. And then third, if we use intelligent design the way the people who are uh, promoting intelligent design want it promoted, we are being forced to redefine the nature of science. As I said earlier, what science is so good at is limiting um, its field of scope to a relatively narrow piece of the human condition, only areas for which they can make um, falsifiable predictions. What intelligent design people and creationists want is to incorporate the supernatural into the realm of science. So if you, if um, you do that, science falls apart because any answer that you give to any question scientifically can always be, God did it this way. And even if that's an accurate answer, it's not a scientific answer. So those are the three reasons um, this battle, I think, is so important. And from my perspective as a religious person, I, I think religious literacy is important, and it, it seems to trivialize these these ne- very narrow views, trivialize religion into, well, almost superstition, uh, rather than being uh, uh, the, the depth and breadth that uh, religion can be for the human condition, um, and, and helping to people cope, cope with life. Absolutely. You've said that so nicely. Can't disagree with a word you've said. Uh, you've received, I'm speaking with Michael Zimmerman, creator of the, uh, director of the Clergy Letter Project and Evolution Weekend, writes at Huffington Post, and you've received quite a bit of pushback uh, with your work there. Uh, some of your posts have 500 comments or more, and, and the pushback does not often just come from creationists, but sometimes uh, some atheists. What What is their complaint? Yeah, you know, it's probably um, half of my hate mail is... is uh, from the atheist group, um, not all atheists, obviously, but the group calling themselves New Atheists. And when, there's a group of them who I like to term, and I'm not alone in saying this, uh, they are fundamentalist atheists. They are proselytizing atheists. I mean, they literally are of the sort of fundamentalist um, religious leaders and fundamentalist religious, religious proponents who, who believe that their way is the only way and they, metaphorically, go around knocking on doors, passing out pamphlets, and saying, you have to believe what I believe. And because what I write, I don't take a religious perspective. What I take in everything that I write is a respect for broad-based religion, deeply felt religion that accepts science. I am not a fan of religion that makes um, claims about the natural world. I don't believe... 
um, we see miracles before us today. Um, religious leaders who claim uh, non-naturalistic events are have to, I think, um, accede to science when science demonstrates that that could not happen as we see it today. Um, but these new atheists are claiming that as long as you, you give any credence, any support, um, any respect to religion in any form, you're doing great damage to society. And frankly, I think that's an extreme view that um, is doing damage to some of the things they care about, which is science literacy, just like, like I care. Um, and I think it's so incredibly disrespectful for the majority of people in this country and in the world. I think the very fact is is that whether or not we like religion is going to be with us for a while. Um, rather than end it, we might mend it. Wow, nice way of putting it. Now I understand why you're the host and I'm just um, uh, somebody you, who's talking with you. <laughs> <laughs> you have done an incredibly important work for scientific uh, literacy. Adam, I want to talk about one thing you put on uh, one of your posts was kind of interesting, a little bit a little politics here. You said, is Rick Perry smarter than a fifth grader? Not when it comes to science. So what, what's your grade of the Republican candidates regarding questions of science? Um, I haven't seen, other than John Huntsman, who... who gave a quick tweet um, a while back uh, claiming that, yes, he accepts evolution, um, and he also accepts human um, uh, anthropomorphic, uh, anthropogenic, rather, uh, global uh, climate changes. Um, I haven't seen anybody who is willing to speak in a way consistent with the scientific consensus. I don't, I am unwilling to say most of those people believe what they're saying. I don't know if that's worse or better. I believe right. most of those people are smart enough to know what, what the scientific community is saying. They are just unwilling to say that. Even Huntsman has backed away from um, climate change uh, because it wasn't popular enough for him. And it's just, you know, it's, it's, politics it's, pandering. As usual. it's politics and pandering as usual, exactly. And to be honest, there are many Democrats who do the same thing, and it's, it's a shame. My guest is Dr. Michael Zimmerman, uh, author of the book Science, Non-Science, and Nonsense, Approaching Environmental Literacy, uh, founder and director of the Clergy Letter Project and Evolution Weekend. We're just nearing our end of time, but I wanted to ask a, a final question. It's difficult for me to know if scientific literacy is making progress. Overall, what do you think? I think in the world it is, and I think in the United States we're, we're losing ground. Um, I really? think we're... Yeah, unfortunately, I think um, a lot of, of the Pacific Rim countries are doing far, far better job of, of teaching what science is about. And from my perspective as a science educator, I don't think it's about science facts. I think it's about understanding the difference between science and non-science to um, make sure that we have a society that can differentiate between scientific ideas and ideas that sound scientific but truly are pseudoscientific. Um, because we're scared of things like evolution as a society, we're scared of its implications because of some loud voices, we don't teach how, how to make those differentiations. And we're spending a ton of money on, on um, pseudo-medicines that do nothing to help people except put money into the pockets of the purveyors of those medicines. Um, we, the list goes on and on about pseudo-scientific ways we spend our money and make policy. 
Um, when you look around at patents coming out of the United States versus the rest of the world, our primacy is, is declining. When you look at the number of scientific manuscripts published in the United States and the rest of the world, our leadership there is declining. So I, I'm depressed about what we're doing with science education and science literacy in this country. Uh, the rest, I, I think the human condition might be okay, because the rest of humankind, not all of it, but much of it, is improving in this regard. But what a shame for the United States to lose its primary role and its, its, um, you know, its starred position. And we're doing it to ourselves, and there's no reason for it. Well, thank you for your work in scientific literacy and for the Clergy Letter Project and, and encouraging clergy to do their work for religious literacy. And thank you, John. You, you, um, you know, have a wonderful show, and you speak up and speak out so, so well and articulately. We need more people like you as well. Dr. Michael Zimmerman, uh, thank you for being with me today. My pleasure. So long. You can find information about the Clergy Letter Project and Evolution Weekend at theclergyletterproject.org. You've been listening to Religion for Life. I'm John Shuck, the minister of the First Presbyterian Church of Elizabethton, Tennessee. Information about my congregation can be found at fpcelizabethton.org. More information about this program, as well as podcasts, can be found at religionforlife.me. Religion for Life is a co-production of WETS-FM and WETS-HD, Johnson City, Tennessee, and WEHC, Emory, Virginia. Be well. Be well.